welcome to You Love to See It, Fanbyte's movie review podcast. Every month, we pick a theme, and every week, we watch a movie, and then we decide where its VHS tape, yes, VHS tape, belongs in our delightful neighborhood video store. We'll judge whether it's good enough to break the lease and live the good life on the staff pick shelf, whether it attended summer camp enough times to earn a spot in our totally fine middle aisle, or whether it's got nothing but shitty bizbro vibes, and it goes right into our crappy dumpster where Gwyneth Paltrow's somehow more out-of-touch cousin screams spiritual affirmations at you constantly. Working the counter today, we have yours truly, Danielle farted on camera, Riendo, and my fellow Wee Wee! Fernanda Latte. (laughs) Sorry, I I went, I got, wee wee! Fernanda. Uh, Yes, please, please. No, I was going to do the gong, insert gong sounds. Gong sounds. Gong sounds. (laughs) Gong. That would be the gong sound of Fernanda Latte that is actually a cappuccino. Proches. How are you today, Fernanda? I'm doing good. Uh, Not as good as the people being very drunk at summer camp and, I don't know, wakeboarding and, uh, you know, subscribing to the cult of Adam Newman. But pretty good, you know, considering. I I mean, I'm pretty glad. It's also funny because this one could have been for cult month, but I'll I'll read read our description for Nice Try July. This one's almost like both. You know, a little bit of both, which is always lovely when we have connective tissue. Uh, But yes, for this month, with a nice try July, we are twisting the habitually positive narrative around human endeavor and entrepreneurial spirit and diving into what happens to people who went big when maybe they should have just gone home. Join us in this celebration of people who truly had the audacity as we travel through fleeting fads, failed efforts, fallen businesses, and flat-out fakes. This is Nice Try July, because success is cool and all, but failure is objectively funnier. And this week, we are looking at the 2021 documentary, We Work, or the making and breaking of a $47 billion unicorn. A friend of mine called me up and said, there's this new thing, I can't tell you anything about it right now. I promise you are going to want to be a part of it. The next revolution is the We Revolution. Adam Newman sounded like a mythical figure, but it was a lot of smoke and mirrors. When somebody tells you they're changing the world and you are helping them do that, it feels really special. The future is about being part of something greater than yourself. I believe every word that came out of Adam's mouth. Adam told me I was going to be a millionaire. WeWork wanted to become the next Facebook, the next Google. He became this poster child for this growing trend of flexible offices. They had already reached a billion dollar valuation. WeWork was the most overvalued company in the world. They were willing to spend any amount of money. When I say they're serving alcohol, they are serving alcohol. Make some noise! Everything about WeWork was propaganda. For God's sakes, they're running desks. And holy shit, was this a time to be alive and a time to watch. (laughs) We're going right into our setting the scene segment, uh, which is where we introduce the movie at hand. We have a little spoiler-free chat about our history with it. But first, to those unfamiliar with the story, here's a brief summary of the movie that I have prepared uh, through my own point of view, my lens, if you will. 
Um, so this uh, documentary is a depressingly familiar story of a tech bro who thinks he's a minor deity trying to change the world through iffy business practices. This one includes a lot of younger millennials, New York City dreams, and a horrifying cult <laughs> summer camp. But you know the general beats if you've seen anything like this before. The rich assholes get away with a lot of awful things and the people who work really hard get fucked. That's, you know, I don't think I'm spoiling a single thing because that's nope. kind of uh, what happens all the time. Uh, but yeah, that's the that's... sort of general synopsis, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like within the context of, as we said last uh, episode, the biggest cam of all, capitalism. Yes, precisely, precisely. And, and because you've given me that Excellent little little nugget there in that great little transition. Fernando, what's your history with this movie? I know you have a long and storied history with uh, <laughs> learning about this scam and consuming media about this scam. And I, I just want to hear about it. What What's your history with WeWork and the making of a $47 billion unicorn? That's a mouthful of a name for the documentary, by the way. I always forget it. Oh, it sure it. is. Yeah. <laughs> I just type like we work documentary and hope it finds, Google finds its way. Um, I first, <laughs> so I first like started hearing about WeWork when it quote unquote collapsed. Because it never collapsed, right? It still exists. It still exists, but which is we, wild. It's yeah. wild. We actually have a WeWork uh, right next to us here in Mexico City. But... <laughs> The thing I I first heard about it uh, listening to like the Daily or some other like super big mainstream podcast uh, talking specifically about how Adam Newman uh, Adam Newman managed to create this whole thing, uh, tank it and jump out with an unbelievably golden parachute, uh, the sweetest freaking <laughs> deal. And it was about I think at the time the layoffs because that's what was really. Uh, you know, making people really angry, rightfully so, at the time. Because I remember it was just a wild percentage of the company getting laid off. And you can imagine yeah. a, a company that was hiring at the speed that they were. And just all of a sudden be like, oh, you know what? In hindsight, this really wasn't sustainable. So bye, you guys. <laughs> um, but I got really curious because I'm not, I'm not the most economically savvy person. Like, I don't really understand the inner workings of markets that well, especially uh, in the U.S. And like, in my mind, I was just like, this sounds ridiculous. How did this company manage to be valued at this. How did Adam Newman manage to make this much money was just a whole lot of nothing behind it. Like this sounds completely absurd to my lay woman brain. I need to <laughs> dig deeper into it. And then as you know, the deeper I dug, the more I was like, no, this really is fucking absurd. This is not just oh, me yeah. being like, <laughs> this is not just me being stupid and not understanding. This is a completely uh, ridiculous facet of how uh, these companies are, how valuations work. And, and, you know, it is very inflamed and everything is very artificial. Um, so I got really curious and kind of started digging into it. The first thing I did was get the book, A Billion Dollar Loser, which <laughs> the author actually got to interview Adam. Uh, and I think it was wow. like the last interview. Yeah, I think it was the last interview he gave. But this was before everything came like tumbling down. Uh, I got halfway through it, didn't finish it. Just, I don't know. Because I'm like just, you know, a crow that wants shiny objects. And it's like, ah, another shiny thing up here. <laughs> Drop the book. Uh, but then I watched the We Crashed show on... Um, 
Apple TV with Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway. She, by the way, plays Rebecca brilliantly. Um, yeah. We'll get into all of this, I'm sure. And I also uh, listened to the Wondery podcast, We Crashed. And uh, then I they made like a companion version of it along with the show where every week uh, the, the host, who was actually Scott Galloway, which appears in the documentary um, mm. and who published that first double TF article when the the they made the the I forgot the name the bidding sort of for the IPO thing public. Uh, he's the person who sort of blew the lid on the whole thing, and he posts the the show with like several guests every week discussing every episode, and it ends up be it ended up be very interesting. I heard a few episodes um, before watching the documentary that we're specifically going to discuss today, and then after watching, I went back today and heard uh, some other ones, and it's very very interesting, but. Needless to say, it's a very rich text. Uh, (laughs) I feel like we're uh, seeing it in a very specific lens of a time where characters like Adam Newman and, you know, there's the also, I I watched it right after the show, right before the show about Elizabeth Holmes, the dropout. Mm. And also there's the Uber show, uh, which I... Hated so much, I could not get past the first episode. But <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're at a very interesting time to sort of analyze these characters in the context of what it means to exist in the world uh, in this capitalistic uh, hellhole that we currently yeah. find ourselves in. So I feel like we we have some some rich text to discuss today. Oh my God, do we ever! I, I truly think we do. And, like, instead of talking about my history with the movie, I want to talk about the context I watched it in. Just slightly. I'll just give some hints. So this is, like, the, the history of me watching it is just that I watched it yesterday. Um, but I'm having a, a not the best time uh, in my life. There's a lot of things going on. And so I was able to watch this with the most clear-headed rage I think I've ever <laughs> watched a documentary in in my entire life fucking life. Like, just the clear, the cleanest, the purest rage just running through my veins the entire time at all of these things. And some of it's specific to how much I I hate the portrayal of New York City as, like, a place where entitled millennials can fart around and do everything. And the, the movie does dissect that to some extent. There's a little bit of that, um, where there are people who, like, talk about, like, you know, this isn't this isn't for real people, you know, especially in context yeah. of like the educational things that they go through and, and things like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just, oh my, it was like, give me the gasoline and give me the fire and here we go. Like, oh, the purest hatred I think I've ever felt. <laughs> just, oh, it's delicious. Oh, I'm just drinking it down. And Fernanda and dear listeners, I think you all know, I'm actually a pretty positive person. Yeah. I'm like a really nice person. I see the good in everyone. I try to see the good in everyone. I like, you know, for for fucking funsies, I go out in an ambulance and I help people who are sick and screaming and hurt. Like, I do that for fun. I'm pretty nice. But this was like, oh, 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 the recipe for hatred. Oh, delicious. Oh, Anyway, um, <laughs> you really are a human, a human care bear, <laughs> and that's why, like, I always love it when you when you're angered by something because it means yeah, something. Be, yeah, 
It does. And like, to be clear, I'm not angry at this movie. I think the filmmakers did a good job. I'm angry at this person and this organization and all the factors of our shithole society that empower people like this while other people are starving and dying. Like that's, (laughs) that's where the rage is. I just want to be very, very clear. Filmmakers, they did, they did a great job. I think they did a great job. (laughs) <laughs> uh, before even we move on, that's what I wanted to ask you because I was curious yeah. watching it. How familiar were you with the whole WeWork story before watching the documentary? Yeah, I just know the bits and pieces. I, yeah. I just kind of know what everybody knows. And like before I lived in Brooklyn, <laughs> I lived in San Francisco. So I already had like feelings mm. about tech, you know, yes. and tech evangelism, which is sort of how the documentary starts with like, oh, yeah. this is like tech evangelism on the East Coast. A little bit of that. Obviously they went everywhere. They're all over the world, I know. But like, kind of did have this start in, in New yeah. York. So, um, yeah, I, so I had feelings. I had some personal feelings just sort of knowing the general beats of the story. I know it all fell apart. I know they grew really fast. They had a wild leader, and it all kind of fell apart. Uh, so, yeah, just the outline, more or less, mm-hmm. of what had happened. I've not seen the other show. <laughs> not yet, anyway. I prob- I don't know if I could get through it, again, with the rage. The rage is feeding me and fueling me, but it might be exhausting. So, you know. That's that's a thing. Yeah, there's a limit to how much rage can can. It's like taking a very good pre workout and then right. you go like all out for like 45 minutes and then it's just a steady. I feel like the rage fuel kind of yeah. has a <laughs> it has a limit. Has a yeah. limit. <laughs> it only goes so. And then there's this deep decline. It starts like actually eating away at your reserves. Exactly. So I feel like. There's a healthy limit to be told there. I wouldn't recommend doing what I did and just diving that deep <laughs> into yeah. the WeWork uh, universe, especially at your current state of mind. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you're dealing with just the optimal amounts of hate fuel at the moment yeah. to operate yeah. your everyday life. I feel yeah, like we should so. just work to maintain it throughout this show. Uh, <laughs> I our, like that. It's <laughs> really good. <laughs> like, stop doing shots right now. Let's just stay, like, drink light beers. Uh, yes. Just to kind of, like, work that maintenance, the, the delicate yeah. maintenance. You're my rage trainer, and I love it. You are, like, <laughs> absolutely my rage trainer right now. It's really good. It's really and my good. my young Padawan, there's uh, yes. a lot to learn about the ways of the rage. Um, <laughs> we rage. Yeah, it's really, we, really good. <laughs> But that 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 encourages me for the discussion yeah. that is about to ensue. Yeah, which we should just dive right in. Fernanda, I I do want to talk about kind of your one of your first notes here is about like how this works as a documentary, which I think is a good way to kind of jump into it, right? Like this, to me, it felt, I liked it. I thought they made some really fun choices with Mm -hmm. some of the cuts. They use a lot of archival footage. That's pretty fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, And some interesting choices with some of that archival footage, some light, uh, you know, animation that they clearly commissioned for this. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's pretty visually interesting and fun. And it does move along at, at quite a nice pace. Uh, but I want to hear your your sort of feelings about the filmmaking itself. Like, like what you know, what kind of ingredients went into the stew here? I think it's a very competent film. 
documentary. Like, sure. as far as documentaries sure. go, I think it's very textbook. Um, yeah. It has, I think, a little bit of everything. Whereas last week, uh, when we talked about Beanie Mania, I, like, felt like we were missing some, like, talking heads that were not necessarily mm. directly involved in the experience, but could, from an outsider's perspective, sort of give context and sort of place us in the sort of economic and, and cultural uh, uh, moment that, that made the whole phenomenon possible. I think with yeah. this one, we had that. I feel like they did a very good job at getting sources. Like, obviously, they weren't going to get Adam. Obviously, they weren't going <laughs> to get Rebecca or Miguel. And, mm. and people. And I'm guessing all of these people probably had, like, and the people higher probably had NDAs up yeah. the wazoo. I always wanted to say up the wazoo. Uh, thank you I for love making, that phrase. Yeah, I don't know. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You'll love to see it for making yet another dream happen today. Um, but, you know, you can see why they weren't, they wouldn't be able to get those like very inside sources. But I feel hmm. like they made up for that, like I said, with a lot of uh, good footage. They had a lot of footage uh, of the actual events. And I do like yeah. uh, when they introduce the little fun elements that you mentioned, right? Like somebody references walking into a ceremony and feeling like a wi eyes wide shut a <laughs> A moment and they put yeah. actual footage of eyes wide oh. shut or you know just the little um just the little cute little quirky things uh the kids right when they're talking about oh my Adam's god the kids eating yeah eating pasta oh. and getting all dirty and it's while it's talking about adam's uh and we works ridiculous expansion through new york with the little we like little plex coming up like this whole thing uh these touches i thought were cute i miss more of it I felt, yeah, yeah. whereas I feel like it's a more complete uh, documentary than the Beanie Mania was, I feel like it's less charming. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But do you need to be charming? It's a document. Like, no. Argue that's why right. I say it's competent. Like, I'm not going to, it didn't blow my mind. I'm probably going to forget I watched it at some point. But I do feel like it kind of hit all the major points. As somebody who knew so much about the story, um, and I forget a lot of things all the time. So, okay, as somebody who knew, moder <laughs> who consumed a lot of content and retained the moderate amount of it, I <laughs> didn't learn anything new from sure. the documentary. Uh, but that's not necessarily a problem, I think. It's like a good, I feel like a very good uh, introduction. There were some things I wish they touched on because, so uh, as I remember, they only talked about one of Adam's previous businesses, which was the crawlers. Oh my uh, God. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Where he made onesies uh, for babies with little petted knees uh, <laughs> because apparently babies. <laughs> have been crawling forever, but now it's a problem. Yeah, right. uh, and the slogan, just because they don't tell you, doesn't mean they don't hurt or, oh or some ridiculous God. thing. But he also had a more ridiculous business uh, oh, venture oh before no. that. He had a shoe with a collapsible heel. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> like throughout the day, you can just wear it normally, and then if you're gonna go out, you pull the heel up or, or some shit. And the story goes that one day, uh, the woman who was showcasing the shoe, which might have been his sister, I'm not sure, uh, <laughs> like nearly got her finger cut off by the oh heel. Oh my God! <laughs> <She was trying> <laughs> 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 oh 
<laughs> to collapse it back in for a business demonstration. Uh, so they didn't mention those little things uh, that I just feel like enrich the story, but I don't feel like you miss out on the story. And there are some like really tacky things, right? Like in the end, when they put that uh, woman who worked for WeWork and started crying, you know, talking yeah. about how disillusioned, how she felt like she lost her job, not only her job, but her purpose. Not that what she was saying was overly dramatic. I can absolutely understand that. Like we all know the yeah. impact of losing a job uh, in sucks. our lives, right? Yeah. It really yeah. sucks, especially a job where you're sucked in like a freaking cult. Um, yep. But the way they edited it and put it in the end of the documentary is super cheesy. It's a little uh, much. <laughs> <laughs> very excessive. Yeah. But but at the same time, I feel like it just added to the whole, like, I feel like they ticked all the boxes, right? Like, serious things, doo-doo, like, uh, pointy <laughs> little moments, doo-doo, like, sad, like, let's cry, this is very sad, doo-doo, so they really, yeah. I feel like they checked the boxes there. Yeah, I, there's there's parts of this, as someone who works... <laughs> who worked at a company that has this vibe a thousand percent and has this vibe in its space a thousand percent. There were so many points where I was just like, I have worked basically (laughs) in this exact Uh, fucking scenario. And I'm I'm 90% sure one of the offices is in like a very, maybe the same building as their sort of headquarters or right near it. Um, They're sort of like original thing so it really it really i can't i guess they can't say the name of it but everybody fucking knows what i'm talking about and like it's just it hit me on such a gut level of Mm -hmm. like how intensely people can be a part of something that feels like a cult but it's really a job or feels like a family but it's really a job Mm -hmm. and how you can lose your fucking mind in these scenarios. And I kind of have, even if I never was wearing the t-shirt and chanting the chants or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like, there can be parts of, of like, having a cool job, for example. We work in media, right? People, yeah. at least some people would say, we've got a cool job, right? Yeah. I, we, I'm not going, you know, and, and like, to, to a mine every day yeah. and mining. I'm not going and picking up garbage every day, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Like I get to make podcasts yeah. and, you know, uh, you know, play games and, and write about them and things like that. And there are parts of this that I just saw a hundred percent in this documentary um, of like, look at our cool work culture. We're young. We're cool. We have beer mm-hmm. on tap. Look how cool. Kombucha our, on tap. Look, yeah, kombucha on tap. Look at <laughs> look at this beautiful coffee we can make right here at our office. And also, like, this is a hell environment. That's hell, actually. But, you know, but no, but like, you know, but it's really cool and really good. And you'll work uh, 100 hours a week sometimes. But it's cool and good. It's cool and good, though, because we're cool millennials who are cool. Um, yeah. I've been in that environment. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like vibrating with rage during <laughs> some of these stand-up interviews, including with some of these young people who were clearly kind of, you know, under Adam's spell to some extent. That woman especially, it's very like the way she talks about it, like his commanding presence, how tall and charismatic he is and talking about you could be her if you had confidence. And she really took that to heart. And like, 
imagine. I know that there are there are parts of this where, as an outsider, you could watch that and be like, "Wow, you know, she wasn't. She clearly was under his spell. Like she, you know, oh wow, this poor girl, this poor naive girl." And it's like, yeah, but sometimes that happens when you're in this environment and you're over fucking worked, and you are just trying so hard to make things work, and you're trying not to be you know, broke, you're trying to pay rent in New York. Like, yeah. I I get it. Like, I got it. You know what I mean? The tears even, like, the all of it. I was just like, yeah, I've, I, I get it, man. My God. Ugh. And there are phases to this kind, to, like, our approach to work, right? Like, now, yeah. because 10 years feels like nothing. But, like, if you think about it, like a few years ago, the idea of like, oh, I have a pinball machine at work. How cool are right. we? Like, right? That really was the thing that really made, oh, we can take uh, breaks and play video games. Like, oh my God, uh, right. beer on tap, sign me up. Now right. we're at a stage where our idea of like a healthy work environment is well, A, at home, <laughs> but uh, be yeah. like, like uh, no, I don't want any of that. I want to get paid fairly. I want to have off time. I want to be able to, you know, take days for my mental health. Like mm-hmm. our whole idea, mm-hmm. we're working, I think, collectively toward a four-day uh, work week, which I think some countries are already starting to test out. But like, we're already sure. like... Our mindset has switched switched so much in 10, 15 years about what a good work environment is that looking now at what those people were doing at the retreat and stuff, we're, we judge it, I feel like, unfairly. And you were saying being in there, it's much easier to get it sucked into the sort of the work culture. And how many of us, I worked at a different company, uh, a massive media company in Brazil, and it's like, uh, it wasn't like that, but it was culty in different ways. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I was we were putting up with sort of unacceptable uh, behavior patterns in different ways. We all do. So it's kind of like, how can I judge these people who are at a retreat, uh, getting shit faced for free? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? What if there's they're yelling? We work at a stage. Like, they're probably not even registering that at that point. It's like, oh, let's just right. yell this so we can go back to like. I don't know, beer pong, whatever it is that cool, the cool kids uh, yeah, <laughs> were doing. And, and like, there's so much guilt and so much of this, I think, is aimed at people from underserved communities too. There's There mm-hmm. can be guilt from like your parents about like, are you working hard enough? Yes. Are you putting enough hours in? Are you doing enough? And there is this sense of like, I'm so grateful to not be having a miserable job that I saw my parents have to struggle with. Yeah. I'm so grateful to not be at a miserable environment, like whatever you associate miserable environment with, which could be almost anything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> most jobs are fucking awful and horrible yeah. and shouldn't be and are. And, you know... It, there's so much guilt that's associated with this Yeah, that like a lot of those people are probably like, well, you know, I'm working 80 hours a week and I haven't seen my fa- my family or my friends and I couldn't really have a life outside of work, but like my friends are here. So it's not that bad. You know, it's not yeah. like, oh, you know, my, my dad who had to do this for 40 years, exactly. miserable, woke up every mm-hmm. day, miserable, came home miserable. Like, look at me, I'm having fun. I'm drinking a beer <laughs> where, it, and they're being exploited. There's no way they aren't. They, of course it's exploitative. It's it's really, again, it fills me with rage at the people who thought this was acceptable 
And like partially, certainly at Adam, but also his entire, and I will see <laughs> Weo team, his whole C-suite <laughs> of people who were like bragging about how many people they were firing. And it, it was like very, 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 very predominantly like white fucking bros who are just getting to go and have fun and, and make videos about themselves, you know, like driving fast cars and being cool. Like, clearly the, these people deserve some of the blame too for facilitating all of this. And like, again, exploiting workers. Like the worker who's in there, who's like, I had his password because I was doing his job and I saw I was about to be laid off. Like, it's just Imagine. absolute fucking madness how entitled these fucking assholes were. And of course it was allowed to happen because it's, oh, this is the company we believe in and all these visionary feelings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is very familiar to anybody who has worked in tech or frankly has worked in certain media companies. Like it's very familiar to that because it's the same kinds of vibes and the same kinds of practices that exist there. And it's interesting how we always go back to what the white dudeness of it all, oh, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And I, and on the documentary, I feel like they don't even explore it as much. Uh, but on the show, uh, the the Apple TV show, and I was uh, yeah. watching one of the, I was listening to one of the companion shows with a female uh, reporter who wrote a thing on the New Yorker. I'm gonna find her name, but I can't remember sure. right now. Um, and she she was talking about, there was a moment in the show that they explore a lot when Rebecca in a retreat uh, mentioned that in one of those parties that one of the women's roles, uh, one of her roles as a woman and like, you know, women's roles is to support and encourage the men in their lives to do great My things or some shit God. like that. Jesus. And tapping Christ. It's yeah. wild. On the show, there's like a massive like moment of backlash, and she does like a listening session um, oh. where you know she has women talk. And I don't know how much of that actually happened, but there was a moment where a girl comes up and like says, Oh, by the way, working here sucks. Like the, the <laughs> company like fucking sucks we have to like stay up until like 3 a.m uh drinking just to like feel like we're part of the team and it is a very misogynistic environment um and while and then on this this article this this report the female reporter talks about how she talked to a gay friend who at the time was in one of those um one of the the shows, whatever the fuck that it retreats, the the things that they do, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Rebecca did say that about women, and there was a whole thing about like a whole spiel about Rebecca and Adam talking about their relationship, and it was mandatory, and he said that he was made very uncomfortable by the sort of like uh, heteronormative, yeah, yeah, maleness of it all like that 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 was very much the vibe and you can see right like as a um allegedly progressive uh we like we don't discriminate that's the future of work this is the future of people we embrace everything and everyone and then you look at the sort of the higher ranks of the company and it looks like the higher ranks of every freaking company yep. uh, in the world with rebecca there and that's yeah who's still a, the epitome of white yoga lady. Like, yeah. she's... 
Oh my fucking fuck. Yeah. What were your thoughts? And that's a, something I was curious about because I, I'm coming from the perspective of having watched the show, which features Rebecca very heavily. Uh, as someone who just watched the documentary, how did you feel was Rebecca's sort of role in the 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 company? Yeah, I I have um oh, all right. So there's like this conflicting thing, right? Of like, okay, you know, I'm a feminist. I don't want to just throw women under the bus because of the patriarchy, et cetera, et cetera. But it felt like they made a pretty compelling case that this person is, you know, really out of touch with reality or the reality of most workers at this company and any company. And also, you know, they talk about her, I guess, partially launching the educational effort, which was forty or $50,000 a year tuition fee for five-year-olds, like that kind of thing, <laughs> which like truly like, could you be more out of touch? Like, you, you, I don't know if you can, like she lives on another planet basically. Right. And it's in terrible ways and like very privileged ways and very sheltered ways that are not great for other people and not the way you make policy for other people or the way you make space for other people or you make room for other people. So it's very, very, very frustrating um, to see her, like, really enabled to, like, white lady it up. Like, ultimate white lady it up, right? And I, I will tell you this, too. There are things about, you know, the girl boss, white lady, just put women in charge that also are, <laughs> also happen at major media companies. And, and nothing gets any better because if somebody is girl power white ladying it up, She's not necessarily going to make anything better for anyone else. She's just yeah. a white woman at the top instead of a white man at the top and not necessarily actually helping fucking anything. Um, this feels like an example of that, too. Uh, maybe yeah. even a little more wacky because of her obvious, you know, the film that they show where it's, <laughs> God, the film that they show you know, it's like she's a filmmaker and she's Gwyneth Paltrow's cousin and she tells Rosario everyone that. Dawson, and like, she did not deserve that. Rosario Dawson, who's <laughs> just doing her best in this film. <laughs> and my God, Rebecca just, Rebecca-ing, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to take. And clearly, you know, there's an aspect of this that is just, they're the most frustrating people who've ever lived, yeah. right? Like, you just, like, thinking of all the characters and all the stories of all the world in terms of real people, and it's like, who would I least want to be anywhere near, like, an elevator with? Like, who would I least want to be near? And it's Rebecca. these people, right? Like, it's, it's, it's Rebecca and Adam, for me. Like, both of them can, like, oh, Jesus. She seems there was more something- insufferable, I think. But I, I don't I, think, I that's, think they're both that's internalized awful. misogyny. Yeah, I, I just think they're both awful in a different <laughs> way. Like, the fact that he got his billions and got to jump out at, is real upsetting. But, but she also got to sort jump of, out with him. I mean, that is a good point. She did get to jump out with him. Yes, that is true. I uh, And that's uh, the thing. Like, in the documentary, I feel like the role that they have Rebecca play in the company is more of like, oh, she helped it collapse uh, because, again, not entirely collapse because, again, we work is still happening and they're, I guess, rich. I don't know. Uh, But (laughs) 
they that she had more of a role in the downfall because her like new wagey quirky shit like started really factoring into the work and you know like she was equipped to do certain things but certainly not to handle the business side of it uh and that's kind of like how her responsibility but like Hmm. Rebecca was actually a very integral part in making the company happen in the first place. Um, sure, sure, sure. And that's something that, so the show does something that's very interesting. Uh, and that's a lot of credit to Anne Hathaway for the way she plays Rebecca. That is hmm. like simultaneously make you un, uh, more sympathetic toward her because when you just see her as a clip on a podcast talking about elevating the world's consciousness, she's extremely easy to hate. Um, But it also makes her more detestable uh, in other ways because the the yoga babble, uh, that's a a term that Galloway uses a lot. He has on the (laughs) companion podcast, the yoga babble moment of the week uh, when talking about the show. (laughs) It's just really something... No, and, and 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 I think that to our 2022 years, it sounds yeah. more aggressive than it would sound to 2012 years. But right, especially like you said, and, and I love the descript, like the descriptor of her managing to be even more out of touch than Gwyneth Paltrow, which is <laughs> is an achievement. It, it's a feat. It truly is. Like that's not easy. <laughs> but I feel like we've it's it's. I feel like she, her part in the actual building of the business is much bigger than I feel like if you're just watching the documentary, you were led to believe. But if you, because if you think about it, like a lot of what fueled Adam to, you know, go into, because he was a serial entrepreneur. He had the colors thing. He had the collapse. You could see that he the shoes, like he wanted to be a thing. He wanted to make money. He wanted to, you know, make his name, but he was lacking focus. And she kind of came in and through her new agey bullshit was kind (laughs) of like, and we don't know, it's very hard to know how to to assess how much of it is real, how much of it is like, it's, it's it's another conversation entirely, but that she was the one who really leveraged uh, Adam to, in a business that was so driven by his hubris, you know, by his yeah. idea that he was really like a demigod, uh, that a lot of it, she was behind it. And she was behind the company from the very beginning. She invested in it. Like she got money from her dad. Um, this is on the show, but apparently mm. happened in real life too. Uh, when she got married, like sure. a ridiculous amount, like a million dollars. By the way, her dad went to jail uh, for like mail fraud uh, involving oh, a cancer foundation. Uh, oh God. Yeah. Uh, in honor of her brother who died uh, of cancer when he was young. But I see. Um, I see. So you have, like, she invested uh, that money on WeWork, which, as uh, in this companion podcast, they mentioned it's something that needs to be recognized. Like, that was business savvy on her end. She invested yeah, in the was. ground floor of this thing. So, and she was, like, the duo Adam and Rebecca was really what made WeWork WeWork. And I don't know if that's empowering. Like, oh, again, they re- they put the woman in this, like, in this documentary, they put the woman in this role of, like, just so secondary when in the story it was more primary. Uh, I don't know if it's, impo- like, 
if it's empowering or if it's more of like an attack but yeah. i just feel like she, like she was more of a part of this um than you might think just yeah. watching that one and i don't think that's that's credit to her i guess but also like fuck her. <laughs> i don't know like it's, yeah. uh, it's a very interesting role that uh, rebecca newman uh occupies in my mind yeah. uh <laughs> at the moment and they stay together like that's romance yeah. i guess yeah they, i mean <laughs> they're fucking made for each other like I, it, the question that ties into it and that ties into their relationship is how much they believe in their bullshit yeah or so they either clearly believe in their bullshit together and that keeps them together or yeah. they're equally like they equally know that they're really you know pulling a fucking scam basically and they're both in it together because they're pulling a scam together like whatever level of them knowing how much they're full of shit (laughs) i feel it feels equal right (laughs) in their partnership like i mean uh and that's like a really hard thing to disentangle i mean there is that line about like if you tell a 30 something man he's jesus christ he'll believe it like the uh gill uh, prof- I think it's Yale, uh, the business professor, NYU. Sorry, I, yeah, I don't remember what college, Galloway. but <clears throat> he's the oh, one. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Gotcha. Uh, which yeah, is he's like, the NYU professor. Yeah. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, NYU. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's right, and the, he has some of the best lines. By the way, like they're selling desks, like they're renting desks. Like what? Right. The fuck? Like he has some great all-time great lines in this about, like, you know, oh, we're changing the world, we're changing everything, which is, like, the tech thing, right? That's the tech bro thing. That not only are we great and progressive and we have a business and we're making money, but we're changing the... We're going to make the world better. This is how we make the world better. Like, we're going to make things better. We we have a calling. There's that line that, you know, made me want to uh, poke my eyes out about millennials don't just want a job. They want a calling. Like, that, that feels like a fucking avocado toast you know, old man (laughs) (laughs) piece right there. But it's, uh, yeah, it's... It speaks to a time too, no? It does. does. Again, like I feel like 10 years ago, we had a lot more of a acceptance of this kind of, like a tolerance for this kind of bullshit than we have now. Like now we see right through it. Uh, And it's interesting because as I was watching the documentary yesterday, I I said the same thing as you. I was like, Galloway has the best lines because while everybody's kind of tiptoeing around the situation, he's not. He's like, he's a constant like reality check. But uh, as a reminder, Galloway interviewed uh, Adam in like a public situation. They even show it. uh, They don't show it on the documentary I think, but they do show it in the in the series. And he talks uh-huh. about it uh, on his podcast. And he he, it's not that he was like propping up Adam or encouraging him, but he says like, I would love to say that I was like onto him the entire time we were talking, mm. but uh, I wasn't. And him and his guests are kind of talking about how like you uh, talking to Adam, like it takes you a while to process that what he was saying is bullshit. That you kind of get sucked into this, yeah, uh, the 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 charm and whatever buzzword because he speaks in like buzzword soup. Oh, god, that yep. is 
institutional video um, that shows him just struggling profoundly with the teleprompter, uh, which, by the way, relatable. Teleprompters are not as easy as It's see. hard. It's actually <laughs> very hard. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> legitimately tough. You have to, like, get the timing of it right so it doesn't scroll too fast. Exactly. It's a whole ass, it's a real whole ass thing. <laughs> it's like, we could talk shit about this guy for many, many reasons. Yeah, uh, but that the teleprompter was thing, I'm giving <laughs> that him That was pass. the one legit thing. <laughs> Bigger fish to fry when it comes to the yeah. harm this guy has done. Uh, yeah. But he kind of talks about it. And I think a lot of it was that, right? Like my impression as somebody who, again, is not very savvy when it comes to like market subjects and everything is that a lot of people didn't quite understand uh, sort yeah. of WeWork's bottom line and could kind of see the sort of smoke and mirrors aspect of it, but they probably felt like, you know what? I don't get it, but like someone must get it because SoftBank and Masa's son is a very uh, yeah. big part of 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 this equation. Because if it wasn't for him, like who knows what would have happened? But um, you see, you look around and you see all these big business people that are so respected um, and they are putting their trust behind them. So you're like, well, I'm the one missing something. I'm the one who's not really getting whatever this is at the the bottom of this. And I right. feel like there was a lot of it. And there had to be a moment of kind of like somebody being like, okay, the emperor has no fucking clothes, guys. Right. And I feel like Galloway, like, let's just all like... Somebody's got to say it. Let's just, I'm just going to speak what's on everybody's mind here. Uh, and I feel like he was very much that person with the double TF uh, blog post that kind of talked about the, the. I, I keep forgetting the name of the document, the specific document the that S1 they need one or something like that. I, I don't exactly. remember. There was an S something. I, I don't know an anything S1. business either. So, <laughs> but yeah. So people who yeah. are listening and are like, oh my God, they're being stupid. I'm sorry. Uh, we're sorry. Not no, <laughs> I don't have an MBA. I'm very sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Do not understand. But uh, yes, the, I think it was the S1. Uh, when he kind of like exposes the document and then he kind of opened the gates where it was like, okay to publicly mock this company. And there was also, yeah. I think, uh, there was a thing they showed this that kind of like the story that kind of focused on on Newman as this sort of like uh, charismatic leader type who had a lot of problematic behaviors. Um, and I think yeah. those were the moments that really made everybody be like, oh, okay, so I'm not the one who's just stupid. Like this is really, <laughs> this yeah. is just strange. This is just a strange little company with a strange deal that ended up getting a lot, a lot of money. Strange um, tall man. <laughs> strange tall man. Yeah. Very tall man. So it's, to me, that is aspect of it is just like very interesting. How much of just like collective yeah. willingness to believe is involved in making I, this work. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And it also like fuels my rage even harder. Because what if, what if what if the same exact fucking business proposal was made by a woman of color or, mm -hmm. you know, like, like would, would, you know, would she have gotten anywhere without the fucking, the smile and the hair and the suit and the like, yeah. you know, being a white man of it, like the amount of goddamn leeway, billion, like billions of dollars, billions and billions and billions of dollars that were given to this fucking child in a suit, right? Like yeah. with his, his ideas, like. But that only happens for some people. 
Isn't that's that's enraging? Like other people have good ideas, legitimately good ideas. Other people actually have good ideas about making the world better too, and they're never going to see a a billionth <laughs> of that money, and they won't because this is how the world works. And like again, I I just want to put my fist through the wall <laughs> just thinking about that. Like, okay, what what if I wanted to grow Fanbyte into like some amazing business or whatever? Right? I would never I would never get the meeting with the SoftBank guy, I never would. And I'm, I'm a fucking white woman, <laughs> you know? I, yeah. I, I'm not even well, nearly dealing with a certain level of challenge there. Let Elizabeth Holmes inspire you. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes inspire you, Daniel. <laughs> I could be a girl boss. <laughs> you could be... You could be a girl boss who can invent a machine and say that it does things that it doesn't do. But yeah, the thing right? is, she got a lot more fucking screw than Adam. And I sure, think she's sure, going to sure. do jail time. And, Guys, and Adam never will. Oh, it's okay. Mur Murphy's pissed too. And I it's don't not blame Mur him. <laughs> it's not Murphy. It's Oprah. It's the dog we're fostering. Oh, oh, Oprah. It's okay, Oprah. I'm, I'm mad too. Like, she, honestly. She has feelings on Adam. Honestly, dogs have better. <laughs> I would trust a dog more than I would trust Adam or Rebecca for that matter. Like with a fucking toasted bagel, not $47 billion. <laughs> it's, like, and that's, it's wild. And, 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 you know, and that's the thing. It's one, it takes, as Lady Gaga once said, you can be in a room <laughs> full of people. <laughs> 99 people. Okay, I don't even know if that's a number. But it only takes this one person to believe in you. Adam had like, you know, this, it, and it was kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like, oh, this millionaire guy believed in me. So other yep. millionaire guys are going to believe me too. So, it, and, yep. and that's kind of how it happened. It's really interesting. Like, and, and I think also the times um, speak to it because the whole idea yeah. behind it was that it was a unicorn, right? Like people were yep. hunting for the unicorn and it was like post Uber and Amazon and everything else. And again, I feel like this is, it was just a conversion of factors, right? A lot of these investors yeah. seem to have jumped in. A lot of people seem to jump into these situations for a simple matter of FOMO. <laughs> like, yep. you yep. know, like, oh, what if I miss out on the next, big thing like that's such a, a big element of it and to me it's just kind of hilarious to think about all these powerful men who control so much of the world's wealth and, and they're all just so silly they're just so jealous little boys silly. that's it they're just jealous little boys who want the other boy's toy that's all it is and that's like again i want to laugh at it but where i'm at today i want to fucking put my head through the wall. Like, I'm just like, this is insane. How is it this is. reality? <laughs> it's Truly. really wild. It's really Truly. wild. And we don't even have the sort of like, with Elizabeth Holmes, we get to have this sort of schadenfreude moment <laughs> right. of right. somebody like, oh, she's paying for what she did. And she arguably did less damage. Um, right. That, well, there was one guy in her company who... Uh, yeah, who uh, trigger constant trigger warning uh, uh, did die by suicide after working at her company because he was subpoenaed and it was a whole thing. Um, he's I actually pay, played by Stephen Fry in the show. Um, oh my god! Wow. Yeah. Okay. He's a great character and obviously an amazing yeah. actor. But um, yes. 
So you have, obviously, and not to discount the human cost of, of her actions. Of uh, but, and there was a lot of like litigation against people who really didn't have any tools to fight back and the harassment elements of it, of, it, of course. But, yeah. but financially, like, I feel like Adam actually did more damage and he was giving, given, a, you know, a Perfect beautiful parachute. way out. Yeah. You know, like he was, and that's, I think, what infuriates people uh, the most is that he got to have, you know, walk away with all this money um, and just basically, in some ways, unscathed. And I have this feeling that 10 years from now, when we've forgotten all about it and Adam Newman announces his whatever, like we're going to be like things, the content machine will have churned so much and we'll have been angry about so many other things that he's just going to do whatever he wants. Like, let this yep. die down and you can come back. Uh, yeah. But on the, which, conversely, I kind of, I find it interesting that uh, people like Adam Newman and um, Elizabeth Holmes, they, they're very easy, I guess, scapegoats, right, too. I feel yep. like, and there's also a very interesting aspect of it to me that is like the reason, the way we go about these characters and the way we treat them culturally and the way that we, you know, um, the, the the role that they occupy in our sort of collective imagination has a lot to do with results. I of feel course. like the line yeah. between, right, like a genius, uh, you know, even as pathologically overachieving that these people may be like, you know, there's a reason why a guy like Steve Jobs is a genius. And I don't know. Ugh, I don't even want to say his name, but Elon Musk. I know. Elon Musk. He shall not be named. Uh, who is still worshipped uh, by many uh, white men in our society. He, yep. You know, that the reason that these people are treated like geniuses and people like Elizabeth Holmes and, 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 and Adam Newman are treated as, you know, laughing stocks. Right. And... While there's an element of, you know, in the Holmes's case, right? She had a product that she marketed and sold a product that didn't exist. So right. uh, there's yeah. that. Uh, Amazon exists and whatever Elon Musk does, like Tesla's, whatever the shit, they exist. And <laughs> Apple They, they exists. do exist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do it's exist, for better or worse. Even freaking Zuckerberg. Um, yeah. So there's yep. that element of it. But also I feel like it's interesting that we create a system and we worship a kind of person uh, in society. And then we also want to see these people try that and fail. We also want to have, uh, we also, we want to have these people as icons, but we also want to be able to look down on these people. And that really, I think, speaks to both human nature, but also like mostly the way that society uh, is structured. It's interesting, like on a New York Times review of the uh, Adam Newman book that I mentioned, The Billion Dollar Loser by Reeves Wiederman, uh, there's this little quote that, in America, where we moralize our money and monetize our morals, fat cats who got <laughs> bust, who go bust, tend to be viewed as cash cautionary figures, singular exemplars of malfeasance, not routine casualties of the fickle system that exalted them in the first place. And I was like, yep. that's true too. Yeah, that's true. It's they're just a symptom. It's the hate the player, you know, hate the game, not the player thing. Yeah. Right. 
These are people who played the game and failed. Yeah. But the game itself is the actual evil in our world. Like this winner takes all unchecked capitalism is the real evil. And these are people who like tried to make it work. They were assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but also some assholes are successful, so they get away with everything. Like it's it, it's absolutely true. It's and there are a bunch true. of people behind uh, making those things happen, right? Yeah, like absolutely. you're gonna hate on Adam Newman, but are you gonna hate on Masterson? Like, right, right. Obviously, right? different exactly. people, different thing, different context. But like, there are so many mechanisms in place that I feel like it's convenient for all these big players that we zero in on these figures instead of being like, okay, but like, hold, hold up, how how did this? No. No, a lot of shit went wrong here. So, you know, there's this element of like scapegoating that I feel like tempers my anger a little bit more uh, when it comes to hating the people specifically that it's like, you know what? Yeah, I hate them, but I also hate everyone else. So, <laughs> yeah, I also hate the system. Like, hate the, hate the horrible game that's also rigged. Like, hate, hate yeah. that too. Like, I think it's good to do. <laughs> but one thing I, I wanted to ask you. Um, yeah. Is, is something that I kind of grapple with. Uh, what Do you think that Adam, like, was a visionary who, like, went too far in his vision? Or do you think he was simply, like, focused on money, like, on his financial bottom line, and he just, like, pretended he believed the crap he was selling? Oh, that's a really good question. Honestly, like, they keep talking about him as being such a great salesman and so charismatic and blah, 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 that it's, it's it feels almost impossible to tell at all whether he believes his own bullshit or not. Yeah. Like, I get the sense at somewhat that he believes in some of his bullshit, mm-hmm. that there's, there's some, like, I mean, there's self-belief on some side of this, right? Of like, oh, maybe I do, maybe I am going to make a better world if I make a better business model for people renting desks. Like, yeah. I he does come across as like, you know, this larger-than-life figure. But it, it is truly impossible, I think, to tell. Like, if he's faking yeah. it or not, or if he truly believes his bullshit. And I guess after a certain point, he must have believed his bullshit if thousands of people are believing in his bullshit and giving him lots of money. It's that idea of like, oh, you tell the 30-something man he's Jesus Christ, he'll believe it. Like, I yeah. there's, I think there's evidence to support that he did believe a lot of his bullshit, but also it's, it's truly impossible to actually tell. Mm-hmm. I mean, does Rebecca believe in the bullshit or is she playing a role? Is she playing the kooky wife? Like, I don't know. It, it's, uh, that's also possible, too, that it's part of, of an act to sell something. Like, it seems like she believes her bullshit. She was in that that film, right? <laughs> but there might have been some degree of her playing a role too, you know, which which we can't fully discount. Yeah. So it's really it's hard. It's hard to tell. We may never know. <laughs> we may never know. I would love to see like a Rebecca like specific. Well, I think the show kind of serves as that. Like, because in sure. her case, I feel it's very much like the person who grew up uh, very comfortably in the very wealthy. Because her last name is actually Paltrow. Like, sure. Um, before sure. her sure. maiden name, I guess. So I think that's how she what she went by before she met Adam. So yeah. you know, this is a rich 
rich, rich woman uh, living in the most uh, like sort of privileged of conditions, but at the same time who's living in the shadow of this last name with an uber famous cousin who like yep. had an Oscar by the age of whatever. Like I believe she was in her early 20s when she got the yep. Oscar for uh, Shakespeare in Love, which again, yeah. a whole, whole nother... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whole, whole other world with her. Yep. yep. Whole other world, remember? Uh, before she was telling God. people to put eggs in their vaginas. But um Yeah, that's her. So like she speaks to a very specific uh like type of like her spiritual quest, because again, they don't talk about this in the documentary, but she was very like into yoga and like Kabbalah and that very like we know exactly the kind of person we're talking about when it, we talk about this right that is very much yeah. a person like when everything has been handed to you like how do you find your spiritual fulfillment how do you feel like you serve a purpose and I feel like that's yeah that's kind of her story in the case of Adam I'm with you like I feel like that it's such a difficult Thing to gauge. I feel like in yeah. his case, like in the case of Elizabeth Holmes or whatever, like they were people, uh, she, he was a person who like wanted to be, he had this idea, like they, he's part of a generation where we had this idea of success, right? He had this idea yeah. of what, not just success, but what like a, a, a world changing personality was. And I feel like he, he wanted to be that. That was first and foremost his belief. And I think that's what he was after as a serious uh, serial entrepreneur. Like he wanted to, to make a lot of money. I think in the case of Elizabeth Holmes, it was more of like, I want to be the next Steve Jobs. I don't know if that, that was his sure. deal, but he wanted <laughs> yeah. to, you know, achieve some, he wanted to be a very successful, envied, aspirational figure person. Um, so there's that element. And in this case, it's not the vision, right? It's his ambition and his bottom line. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, he, the, what kind of unlocked uh, we work apparently, or that's their narrative, is Rebecca kind of being like, you know what, like you, you can't launch something to the the, the dimensions that you want to launch. You can't do that without believing in your product. So yeah. I feel like he had to buy into his own vision to have the sort of stamina um, that yeah. it took to launch it and to propel it to the dimensions that it got. So I do think that eventually there has to be an element of drinking your own. Kool-Aid, uh, yeah. so to speak. So I think it's kind of like a mix of like ego, sort of like entitlement uh, and sort of outside enabling uh, and just like cultural forces. Like you put that mix together onto somebody who already has like sort of narcissistic tendencies and yeah. that's what comes out of it. Like, like the Powerpuff Girls mix, but instead <laughs> of like the cute superheroes, we get the power trip, power trip and egomaniacs. <laughs> I really like that. I think you, I think you nailed it. And I, and I think it is, I, I know we're going to move on soon, but I do think like these sort of empowerment narrative for our generation is mm-hmm both awful and been almost basically debunked, right? Because mm-hmm. of things like this, that like, oh yeah, you know, you grow up watching superheroes and cartoons about empowerment and doing all this this awesome stuff and so on and so forth. And meanwhile, our, our generation really has had not the best time economically. I think yeah. it's 
fair fair to say that things that were available perhaps to our parents' generation are not available to us in in certain ways. Obviously, that applies more to some people than others. I'm speaking very, very broadly here. But this is kind of... There are ways in which this this documentary is very pointed at our generation and at this mm-hmm. this desire to like find what success means and redefine success and have something about our world that isn't going poorly. Mm-hmm. And it is very depressing to kind of look at this and think, oh, this was it. This was what was going to be success. And then, mm-hmm. it, then of course, it, it did fall apart because it's all fake, right? Of course, yep. we we found out. But there's something like very deeply troubling about that as well like to the the entire psyche of this generation to the entire millennial experience if you want to call it anything like that yeah and i guess it's why i i was fine with how corny that ending was with the the woman who was his executive assistant like crying and talking about losing her her way in a lot of ways and she's like i did a lot of therapy and it's like no but that's that's real man like it is true <laughs> like we don't yep. we don't have portraits of success anymore not really like we can talk about what we were talking about with you know he sh- who shall not be named and the tech evangelists and and so on and so forth but really the difference between them and adam might not actually be all that extreme it, it might be the same shit <laughs> and it, it we, just and just luck is such a factor of it it and is here okay. we are you know, and they believe stupid bullshit. Elon Musk believes stupid bullshit. We know that. Yeah. Like, are they really radically different people? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that is, again, depressing. It is. <laughs> and enraging. And what, so, yeah. like, we don't have time, unfortunately, to get into all the aspects of it. But, like, we could go into the cult aspect of it all. Like, everything yeah. really speaks, I think, to it's such a good little time capsule. And I feel like today oh, we yeah. watched this at a very specific moment of come down from hustle culture, too. Like, that's our sure. very specific lens, right? Yeah. Like, just uh, a few years ago, the gig economy was booming and people were yeah. like, oh, no, everything is possible. Hustle, hustle, hustle. We got to work hard. I wake up at 4.30 a.m. What's your excuse? Whatever, whatever. And that didn't last long. <laughs> the <laughs> yep. come out economic, like heavily accelerated by obviously the pandemic, I feel like has really uh turned it on its head. And we're really at a point where people our age are kind of like, what are we even working for? Like, we're not working, we might be working toward a planet that might not exist in a few years. And we don't really, and like you were saying, like we're kind of lost in terms of to what success really means. So to me, that's an even more interesting moment to watch uh, this kind of phenomenon now. I feel like it could only have existed uh, in a very specific moment in time. You know, like that to me is just one of the one of the many, many interest uh, interesting aspects of the story. Yeah, I totally agree. If we had longer, we could go more into cult month. But, you know, we had our cult month and (laughs) but it was interesting how this definitely had a lot of connective tissue there. Mm -hmm. I I know we um, we are needing to to go on soon. I think we need to move on to shelf life unless there's any other pressing matters before we decide where this goes on our shelves. No, I feel like we, like I said, I feel like we cold crushed it. We <laughs> crushed it. We were, we were gonna show some it. kombucha right now. I'm gonna <laughs> make somebody make me a cappuccino and tell me it's a latte just oh. because, just because I 
can, okay? Right? (laughs) (laughs) They didn't even get into the tequila aspect of it all because Adam apparently was very into tequila and there was a lot of tequila happening. Uh, But no, I feel like we, in between this and what we discussed on Cult Month, I feel like uh, our wonderful, beautiful listeners can go on their own like little... uh, little mind tangents uh, about this particular movie. Yeah, they know our mind palaces well enough at this point, (laughs) I feel like. Awesome. Well, in that case, uh, we're moving into our final segment, which is Shelf Life, where we decide where the movie belongs in our video store. If it's a bona fide staff pick, displayed proudly, a middle aisle placement, which again, totally good movies can go in the middle aisle. There's a whole spectrum. You know, there's like top of the middle aisle where really good things can go. Or... If this deuce needs the dumpster out back, Fernanda, I'm going to let you start. Where do you feel this uh, documentary belongs in our video store? I feel like it's a, a totally textbook middle aisle yeah. where competent yeah. movies belong. It doesn't really, it's not going to change our world. It's a good introduction to the theme. It covers some bases. It has some uh, nice little voices. It tells a neat little story, not that long. Um, So I feel like, yeah, it's like one hour 40 tops. Yeah, something like that. It's pretty pretty breezy. Yeah, Yeah, it moves. Pretty chill. It moves, like you said. So I would, yeah, just a totally, totally like easy middle aisle for me. Yeah, yeah. I have to agree. I think it's perfect middle aisle uh, material. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, but maybe I will if I need to be angry again. Um, <laughs> again, not oh, at I the can't. filmmakers. I want to be so clear. Not angry at the filmmakers. I think they did a good job. Uh, angry at the phenomenon. Angry at the world of late capitalism and the fact that this yeah. shit exists and runs wild and other people have nothing and people like this can have whatever the fuck they want. It's annoying. <laughs> but middle aisle for this uh, well-made documentary uh, and awesome. Well, that was that was easy to, to uh, put it on the shelf here. I'm going to go ahead and do the cool outro. That's what we have for you this week, dear listeners. Thank you to my wonderful co-host for joining me. Thank you at home for listening. And thank you to our fantastic producer, Jordan Mallory. Jordan, thank you for Ooh. producing the show. You're allowed to have a nickname if you want, but we're not going to, we're not going to push you too hard. You know, you can have one if you want and, and, uh, otherwise, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, if you are, you know, tired of just listening to us and want to say some stuff too, well, that's just dandy because it so happens we would love to hear from you. If you'd like to get in touch, uh, ha- head over to our Discord at fanbite.casa or you can send us an email at yltsi, that's you love to see it, so yltsi at fanbite.com. Send us your reviews, recommendations, questions, any general feedback, and maybe we'll even read it on the show. We'd really appreciate it. And Jordan also did pick a nickname for himself, so we've got Jordan the Crumbler Mallory. <laughs> Very good, Jordan. Extremely good. I like it. Ah. All right, dear listeners, if you do like the work we do and want to show us some support, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Spotify. It goes a long way in helping us out uh, and helping other people discover our pod. And you can find links to our other podcasts, our Discord, uh, which of course is fanby.caza, and our socials in the show notes. Until next time, you love to see it. Thank you.